What is up, ladies and gentle nerds? It's your boy Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet, and today we are here with another edition of Overthinking MTG. This is number 70. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and jump right on into it, and let's take a look at a random magic card. Okay, and today we are looking at... Oh, let me actually hit the random card. There we go. Stampeding Elk Herd. Okay, so this is from Dragons of Tarkir. It is a common, it is a 5-5, five, five. Uh, cast and cost is 3 generic green green, it is a creature elk, um, yeah, we definitely have some baggage around elks these days, but let's, let's, you know what, this, this elk didn't know what elks would become, so let's not hold that against it. Alright, and this, uh, this particular elk is formidable, so whenever stampeding elk Oh, Stampeding Elk Herd is the whole name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whenever Stampeding Elk Herd attacks, if creatures you control have total power 8 or greater, creatures you control gain, gain trample until end of turn. Huh. I like that. So it's a 5-5 five, five for 5 elk, which is an interesting creature type. You know, it's not a beast. It's not... It's Okay, it's an elk. Neat, I guess. Um... <laughs> Actually, I'm just realizing, I think, so part of the reason I'm giggling about the fact that it's an elk, um, for those who haven't been playing recently, um, this past year, there was a card called Oko Thief of Crowns. Um, for the majority of you, I know you're like, oh my goodness, why is he bringing that up? Um, it was a planeswalker that was very durable, it was almost impossible to get rid of, and it had a plus one ability on it that could turn any uh, permanent into, <laughs> on the board, any permanent, or no, it's any creature or artifact, into a 3-3 elk without any of its abilities. So it, you know, it was just primo removal and it just happened to turn stuff into elks. And actually the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the Legacy World Championship this past year was actually won by somebody using that ability on their own Black Lotus and punching their opponent in the face with a 3-3 elk. That happened. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, because that card is just way, way, way too good. So that's my association with elks. So when I see that... Um, when I see Elks, that's on a magic card, that's what I think of. As I'm sure many of you do as well, because there was just, Oko was the only topic for a while there. It was just absolutely everywhere. So anyway, so Elks now have a reputation in magic that uh, I know was not ever intended. Okay, so anyway, so Stampeding Elk Herd. We're not talking about 3-3 three, three removal Elks. We're talking about 5-5 five, five Elks um, that are apparently a whole herd, despite the fact that the creature type is only elk. Well, of course, plural creature types would be ridiculous for a whole host of reasons. But the thing about this card that I really dig is the formidable mechanic. Now, I wasn't around in Tarkir. Um, by all accounts, I hear that it was a great set. It was a great story. It had a lot of fun stuff going for it. Everything that I've seen from Tarkir, I really enjoy. The idea of a plane that has multiple timelines. So when you're in the cons of Tarkir universe, the humans kind of run the show, and dragons, I believe, are extinct? Yeah, I believe they're extinct, or like nearly extinct, like they're a non-factor. The humans are the are in charge. Um, and then Sarkin goes goes ahead and wrecks everything and brings the dragons back. And then there's, in Dragons of Tarkir, it's, the dragons actually are the dominant species on the plane, and the humans are kind of this, like, you know, this... Um, relegated subclass like that's interesting that's that's a cool twist the idea of doing this kind of um back to the future then and now time travel story is pretty cool that's a unique way and then it also fits within the confines of a magic set in kind of a neat way so i i dig that it, it works you know the blocks in a way that you can enjoy multiple worlds on the same world i think that's clever i like it anyway so in this particular um Case formidable was apparently a mechanic that was around during 
Khans of Tarkir, or Dragons of Tarkir, rather. Um, which makes sense, actually, as a... if It's the world in which the dragons have taken over. The idea of being physically formidable. Yeah, that fits. You know, that is what... Um, yeah, that, that makes good sense. Um, and so, the way that it works is whenever the creature attacks... Well, so in this case, with Stampeding Elkert. Now, I know in a lot of cases, they use keywords... Um, like formidable, like landfall, like uh, heroic, where it's a keyword simply to make it easier to search for, like on, as I understand it anyway, on like card databases like Gatherer, like what we're looking at here. If you want to, you could do a search for formidable, and you could find cards that um, that I'll have the keyword formidable on them, um, just like Imogen here. She's very formidable, um, and what that means is. In this particular case, formidable works when whatever stampeding Elkhart attacks, if creatures you control have greater power, have total power eight or greater, um, they all get trampled. So they don't make them any bigger. But basically, once you've proven that like you got enough just meat on the board, you just gotta swing in and make you know make the hit. Um, and you know you just need the trample to give put you over the edge and actually make it a killing blow. That is there. So I got to say, actually, the design on this card, I think, is really solid. You know, it's a 5-5-5, five, 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 just right on curve. It's just rock solid, just fits right in. Um, nothing wrong with that. It's a decent mid-range creature. And then on top of that, it also provides kind of this, like, quasi-soft overrun effect later in the game. Now, and it's a common. You know, this isn't super powerful. This is not Crater Hoof Behemoth. This is not uh, Andre's Forerunners. Um, it is kind of the common version of something like that, where if you have a big swarm... Um, and you have a couple of really, really big creatures, they just get trample. And you know what? Sometimes you just need trample. That's really, really huge. Now, the cool thing is... Um, okay, no, no, no. The, now, the other the other thing that I, I was just double... I was double-checking the wording on this because I wanted to make sure that it wasn't... There, there were two different ways that this could have been, uh, could have been written out. One is that the, the idea is it could be formatted as a triggered ability, which it is, or it could be formatted more, more like a static ability. And so, fortunately, it's a triggered ability. So what ends up happening here is whenever Stampeding Elk Herd attacks, so the moment they attack, the board gets checked. If the power on the creatures is 8 or higher, everything gets trampled. Now, at that moment, somebody could blow up Stampeding Elk Herd. Some, somebody could, um, you know, once that ability has resolved, I should say, then now everything has trampled. You could kill Stampeding Elkhurd. You could reduce the power below eight. Does at that point it doesn't matter. Um, they've already been given trample. So if you can reduce the power or destroy Stampeding Elkhurd, you need to do it in the pre-combat main phase until or, you know, or at the beginning of combat before they declare their attackers. The moment they declare your, their attackers, whoosh, that's it. You got nothing. You you know all of a sudden they all get trampled. Now if you can deal with the whole swarm, whatever, but you know, if you're if you need to use spot removal to prevent an overwhelming um, hit and allow your chump blockers to chump block, then you know you need to kill this thing in the pre-combat main phase. The moment they trigger attackers, everything gets trampled, and they get trampled on the turn, regardless of what happens. Now that said, um, if you can interact with, I believe the way this works, and I'm going to go ahead and put an asterisk on this that I I might be wrong on this one. I, I'm not 100% confident, but I believe that the way that this would resolve is when the um i believe that what happens is when so i declare my attackers i'm swinging with everything including stampeding elkert because i meet the condition um 
the ability triggers. And so I believe that it checks that when you declare the attackers. And so you could reduce the power below 8 afterwards, and it doesn't matter because the ability has already established itself. Now, I, I'm, I'm tempted to... I may be wrong on that, so I'm going to go ahead and let's scroll on down. Um, so rulings. On the 25th, if a creature you control with power less than... If you control a creature with power less than zero, use its actual power when calculating the total power of creatures you control. For example, if you control three creatures with power four, five, and negative two, the total power of creatures you control is seven. Huh. That's interesting. Um, some formidable abilities are active, activated abilities that require creatures you control to have total power eight or greater. Once you activate these abilities, it doesn't matter what happens to the total power of creatures you control. There it is. Okay, cool. So I was correct on that. Yay! Other formidable abilities are triggered abilities with an intervening if clause. Okay, now we're getting into some some uh, legality here. Okay, so such abilities check the total power of creatures you control twice. Once at the appropriate time to see if the ability will trigger, and again as the ability tries to resolve. If at that time the total power of creatures you control is no longer 8 or greater, the ability will have no effect. What? Oh! Got it. Okay, no, so in that case, I, I was actually mistaken. Um, because in this particular case, this this formidable is not an activated ability. This particular one is a triggered ability um, that has that intervening if clause. And so what that means is th that actually that little intervening if clause is an interesting um, interesting detail. And to be honest, this is the first time I'm hearing those words, but I'm familiar with the concept. Like, for example, if I try to target one of your creatures with a removal spell, and you cast a spell that gives it hexproof, like, so you just grant your creature hexproof or shroud very quickly, um, what ends up happening is my spell is countered. But the reason for that is because of that intervening if clause. So when I cast the spell, it checks to make sure that, okay, I'm targeting a decent target. I'm targeting, a, you know, I'm casting a doom blade. I'm targeting a non-black creature. Okay, cool. But the moment, like, the, the moment you slap Hexproof on it, all of a sudden, when the spell tries to resolve, it's just going to do a quick little, okay, we're still targeting a good creature, right? And if the answer to that is, yes, cool, the thing dies, we're good, and moving on to the next thing. If, it, if, it's, if we're not good, like, oh, wait a minute, that thing has Hexproof. I can't target that. The spell is countered, and it... Well, fizzles, as we like to say. Um, so, yeah. So that's how that works. And so in this case, it's the same effect, where once you declare your attackers... So I was mistaken. That asterisk was uh, was appropriate in this case. So you swing with absolutely everything. Stampeding Elkhurst's ability triggers. It's on the stack. You have a total of 8 power on the board. I then cast my Doom Blade that I forgot to cast during my main phase, because let's be honest, I'd rather do it that way anyway, just to be safe. At least if I'm playing on Arena. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and blow up your Stampeding Elkhurst. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and kill, kill that. And now all of a sudden you have 3 total power on the board. So when the spell tries... when the ability tries to resolve, it's going to go ahead and check the board again, and we realize, hey, wait a minute, we don't have power 8 or greater anymore. This isn't... We, we shouldn't be going off, and it, it doesn't. Um, now, in that particular case, the impact's probably going to be significantly less if you're down to, you know, if you drop from 8 to 3 power, uh, because, you know, a 2-2 two -two and a, you know, and a 1-1 one -one or a 3-3, three -three, having trample is probably not going to be as big of a deal um, if this isn't actually in the fray. But, all the same... Um, yeah, that is how that works. So I gotta say, so the, it's because it's a triggered ability. It's got that intervening if clause. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that distinction. So we learned something new today. Hooray! Cool, cool. Um, yeah, guys. So thanks so much for hanging out. This has been a lot of fun. Um, 
yeah, this is an interesting one. Stampeding Elk card. We got deeper than I expected on this because it is kind of a weird little, you know, limited common. You know, I say limited because that's really where this, I'm sure, saw the majority of its play. There probably weren't too many constructed decks running something like this because usually, like, a lot of times you see common cards that are weaker versions of rare cards, and this has that feel to it. Like, I have no doubt that there was a better overrun effect that maybe cost, you know, that maybe was like a sorcery and it also gave everything plus three plus three or something like that, um, in addition to the trample. You know, that kind of stuff exists all the time. So I have no doubt that that was the case here. Um, yeah. So it's a decent card. I, you know, in limited, I would absolutely grab something like this because if I'm trying to play a mono green, having just a rock solid five drop that can really help push my squad over the edge, if it synergizes with what I'm doing, nothing wrong with that. All right, guys, it's been a load of fun. So these videos, Overthinking MTG, um, I say videos are also available as podcast, so you can do just audio only if you prefer, um, or you can actually see me and uh, my cat who is hamming it up. She's upstaging me pretty hard right now. She's just chilling in the foreground. So, it's, you know, she's the, she's the star of the show. I'll go ahead and just put the camera down. Um, and so if you're wondering what the heck's going on, feel free to come on over to YouTube and check out Imogen. Um, she is front and center, all up in your face. And if you'd like to put her in a text box as an emoji, you can do that over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash hamhocks42. Um, if you have Twitch Prime, you can actually go ahead and give a sub over there, and that gives you access to our level one emoji, which does happen to be Imogen's face. So anyway... Yeah, we have a lot of fun over there. I stream most most mornings uh, at 5.30 a.m. Eastern Time, um, or at whatever time that is where you are, which is hopefully not 5.30 a.m. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. You're, you're the best. Um, take care of yourselves. Stay safe out there, and I will catch you next time.